Hey everybody, it's Debt's No Honest Man Can Pay on NRM Streamcast. This is from 72 also, about being on the road. It's called Turn the Page. Yeah. One, two, three, and... <laughs> East of Omaha, you can listen to the engine moaning out as one note song. You can think about the woman or the girl you knew the night before. But your thoughts will soon be wandering the way they always do. When you're riding 16 hours and there's nothing much to do And you don't feel much like riding You just wish the trip was through mm. See, here I am On the road again There I am Up on the stage here I go, playing star again. There I go, turn the page. Well, you walk into a restaurant, strung out from the road. You feel the eyes upon you as you're shaking off the cold. You pretend it doesn't bother you, but you just want to explode. Most times you can't hear them talk, other times you can't. All the same old cliches is that a woman or a man? You always seem outnumbered You don't dare make a stand Here I am On the road again There I am Up on the stage Here I go Playing star again there I go, turn the page. Out there in the spotlight, you're a million miles away. Every ounce of energy you try to give away. The sweat pulls out your body Like the music that you play Later in the evening As you lie awake in bed With the echoes from the amplifiers Ringing in your head You smoke the day's last cigarette Remembering what she said I 
I'm not big on live albums, but we kick open this week's show with a track from Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band's Live Bullet for several reasons. Where do I start? Um, as you may or may not have already surmised, I was born and raised in Detroit, so for me, I can't imagine a time when Live Bullet didn't exist. I'm like, it came out in 76, I was born in 65, do the math, but for me, I can't imagine that album never not existing, if if I may uh, abuse the double negatives. But uh, it, it was one of those albums that just for me was always there, an album that I took for granted. And Seeger was an artist I took for granted. I, I dug Seeger as a kid. Night Moves was the very first record that I bought with my own money. Five bucks at uh, Corvettes. Or was it Montgomery Ward's? At this point, it, it might have been Montgomery Wards, regardless. Uh, yeah, so I was a fan of Seeger. And then a- as I grew up, I, I got snooty. I got pretentious. I got uh, a little bit musically too big for my britches. Never got rid of Night Moves. It was the first record I bought with my own money. Couldn't do that. No matter how cool I thought I was, for some reason I knew I could never get rid of night moves but as i got older i went to college and it was experimenting musically and adding to the palette at some point i i just got a little bit too big for my britches and started writing off seeger as the poor man springsteen and then uh, a funny thing happened i grew older i grew wiser i grew more mature i moved from detroit to charlotte north carolina and my homesickness just ramped up to epic levels. So things I had taken for granted, things like Motown and Seeger, I, I began to look at differently. So when I would hear Motown, I would be like, well, that's not Motown. That is the music of my people. When I would hear Seeger, I stopped being that guy who was like, oh, yeah, he's just a poor man, Springsteen. And to me, he was the guy who recorded the very first record I bought with my own money. So it was 10 years ago, New Year's Day, 2010. And I am at one of my favorite local record stores. 
And, and you know, it's, it's New Year's Day, so I had the day off, and I was bored, and I hadn't been to the record store in a bit, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go to the record store. And, you know, there, there are two trains of thought with me when I go into a record store. There's the mission of, oh, there's this new thing I want, and then there's the mission of, I got a little extra money, I want to take a look at the used stuff and see, uh, you know, what jumps out at me. And I'm flipping through the racks, and I come across a copy of Live Bullet. And like I said, it was New Year's Day. And it was a rainy, dreary, bleak New Year's Day. And I was feeling kind of bummed out. You know, as you are prone to do on New Year's Day when it's cold and dreary and bleak outside. And I'm sitting there, and I pick up Live Bullet, and I'm looking at it. And I'm lingering and I'm not finding myself putting it down. And I'm saying to myself, I think I'm buying this. And at that point, I, I had officially just asked the universe for forgiveness for writing off Seeger as the poor man Springsteen and just, just admitting and just remembering that I really do love the music of Bob Seeger. And fast forwarding to... Was it a year ago? Was it 2019? You know, all the days bleed together, but it, I believe it was 2019. I finally corrected the grave error of never having seen Seeger live. And I'm glad that I finally got to see Seeger live because it was going to be his last tour. But who knew that it would also be the last time I get to see, or the last opportunity I get to see one of the longest uh, tenured members of the Silver Bullet Band playing with Bob. So getting back to that New Year's Day, I'm sitting there, I'm holding Live Bullet, and I'm not putting it down, and I'm going, I guess I'm buying this. And I go and I, I buy it, and whatever I whatever else I bought for, bought for, wherever else I got, I paid for, and I got in my car and I put the disc in, and I drove down South Boulevard, which was, you know, one of the major thoroughfares here in Charlotte. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to Seeger's Live Bullet. And it's a cold and dreary New Year's Day. And for a second, I'm not driving down South Boulevard in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm driving down Woodward Avenue in Metro Detroit. And I'm back home again. So, fast forward to... December 30th, 2020, almost damn near a decade with within like within two days after that experience. And we receive the sad news that Alto Reed, longtime saxophonist with the Silver Bullet Band, passed away at the age of 72 uh, succumbing to a battle with colon cancer. And it's interesting to note that he passed away at 72 as the very first studio album that Alta Reed had played with Seeger on was the album back in 72, which is just a really sorely underrated early Seeger record that I cannot recommend enough. Uh, but uh, yeah, Alto Reed, best known for that plaintive saxophone at the beginning of the song that we opened up today's show with turn the page 
Turn the Page originally appeared on back in 72, but the definitive version is the one that we opened up today's show with from 1976's Live Bullet. So we kick open today's show with Turn the Page for a number of reasons. Number one, I'm like, we love Seeger. Number two, uh, we are turning the page from 2020 to 2021. And we are playing that to honor the legacy of the late, great Alto Reed, who left us way too early at 72, uh, born as Thomas Cartmel. Seeger dubbed him as Alto Reed uh, and played with Seeger. Alto Reed played with Seeger for 42 years. And he, he's like on the, the Mount Rushmore of rock and roll saxophonists. Him, uh, Clarence, big man Clemens, uh, you know, you know, uh, I hadn't really thought about who the other two would be. Maybe Junior Walker. Um, you know, let, let me, let me give some thought to who the fourth one would be, but definitely Clarence and Alto would be on the Mount Rushmore of rock and roll saxophonists. And we open up today's show in honor, in memory of the late, great Alta Reed, who left us way too young at the age of 1972. And with that, hey everybody, it's Debt's No Honest Man Can Pay. My name is Greenberg. Thank you so much for joining us. We are here weekly on NRM Streamcast. And here it is, the first new show of the year, if you don't count the bonus episode that we dropped. So, but you know what? That's a bonus episode. So we're, we're going to say that this is the first new episode of the year. And uh, I don't know about you, but I am cautiously optimistic. We've got a new uh, administration scheduled to start in less than 20 days. Right now it is January 3rd. So in 17 days, we are scheduled to have a new administration take hold. Uh, we've got vaccines slowly being distributed. So I'm cautiously optimistic because I know everybody is just like, yeah, you know, 2020 sucked. You know, I can't wait for 2020 to be over and I'm with you, but nothing is promised. There's no guarantee that 2021 is going to be any better. But with the new administration on its way, with the vaccines on its on their way, I'm cautiously optimistic. So with that, we turn the page from 2020 to 2021. And I know at this point you're going, Greenberg, what's on this week's show? I am so glad that you asked. So uh, first and foremost... We are going to run down a little something that we do from time to time. Something, a little something I like to call Greenberg's Big Score. In which I go to my favorite record store. The same one that I got that copy of Live Blood at 10 years ago. So I like to go to my favorite record store from time to time. Of course, this year with COVID, I haven't been there that often. But... I would be damned if I wasn't going to take my annual birthday shopping trip. And as I joked to my friends and family, it's a record store. It can't be that crowded. And I was partially right. Uh, 
But every year on my birthday, I have a tradition where I go to this favorite record store of mine and I, I go ahead and I, I load up on stuff and I'm not shy and I buy a bunch of it. And then I take a look at the receipt and marvel at how much money or how much music I got for how, how little money I spent. So, uh, with that, we like to do a thing every now and then called Greenberg's big score, where I just go ahead and give you a random sampling of the things I bought. And then I make you jealous by telling you how little I spent for it. So, uh, we're going to, and I bought a lot of stuff for this year's birthday trip. Uh, I bought a dozen CDs. So we're going to break it up into two sets and then we're going to spend a little quality time with a, an album that quietly dropped in, uh, late November. And I didn't realize that had dropped and, you know, I, I had seen the, uh, the cover art, but never really put two and two together. I just, in my, uh, in my, uh, social media feeds, I would see this cover art and just not really pay attention to it. And then uh, I walked into the record store and had that Husker Du moment, not Husker Du the band, but Husker Du the, the game that tests your, uh, memory. And I'm going, Oh, I, I recognize that cover art, but I don't know what it is. And I pick it up and I'm going, Oh, Billy Joe Armstrong's got a new record. How did I not know this? And I flip it over and I take a look and I'm like, Oh, he is covering a bunch of really cool shit here. So, um, I, I place it back down going, you know what? I'm going to take a look through the used stuff and, and maybe I'll come back to this. And of course, you know, I, I bought my used stuff and completely forgot to come back to it. And then a day or two later, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and order this from Amazon and it arrived the next day. And it's called no fun Mondays. And it is absolutely fun. No matter what day of the week you play it. And it's all killer, no filler. And what it was, it was Billy Joe Armstrong, like many artists this year, with time on their hands and creativity to burn, uh, decided that he was going to drop a different cover every Monday or for several Mondays. And so he did like 13 of these. And then at the end of the year, or I should say at the end of November, decided to compile them all and release them as no fun Mondays. So we're going to spend some quality time with that a little bit later on in today's show, all this in much, much less on today's show, but we kick off this next set with the third standalone single from 2020 by Amanda Shires. Uh, she had dropped one early in the year. She had dropped one in the fall and then she dropped one late in the year. I want to say maybe ooh, a day or two before, uh, before the uh, new year. And she teased it with a little snippet and a little uh, video snippet. And there's hilarious artwork for the single that uh, shows the coronavirus, you know, with the, all the prickly red and white stuff and the mean face, you know, kind of reducing it to a cartoon villain. And, I, I kind of got the uh, a little flavor of it when they posted the little five-second tease, and I'm going, wait a minute, is Amanda Shires covering Genesis? That's kind of sort of motherfucking brilliant. And it it totally works. And that's, uh, 
you know, not only is it a fun cover, but it's Amanda Shire's way of saying, I'm done with you, 2020. Now, 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 now. Just as I thought it was going all right, I found out I'm wrong and I thought I was right. It's always the same, it's just a shame, that's all. I can say day, you'd say night. Tell me it's black when I know that it's white. Always the same, it's just a shame, that's all.
Well, the flag of piracy flew from my mast My sails were set wing to wing I had a jukebox graduate for first mate She couldn't sail, but she sure could sing And I pushed B-52 and bombed them with the blues With my gear set, stubborn old standing I broke all the rules, strafed my old high school Never once gave thought to landing I hid in the cloud and walked off the crowd But when they said, come down, I threw up Growing up Had the pain Took month-long vacations in the stratosphere And you know it's really hard to hold your breath I swear I lost everything I ever loved or feared I was the cosmic kid in full costume dress Well, my feet, they finally took root in the earth And I got me a nice little place in the stars I swear I found the key to the universe In the engine of an old park car I said in the father, rest of the crowd, but when they said pull down, I pulled over. When you found me, I was drowning 
reaching to the anchor as it sank beneath the waves. No way you could get to me, but you found a way. Found a way for me to find my way to you. But you found a way. Found a way for me to find my way. But so 
you've got three ways to connect with us on social media. Number one, like Debt's No Honest Man Can Pay on Facebook. Number two, follow us on Twitter at Exile on E Street. And number three, like us on Instagram at Exile on E Street. Same as Twitter, making it extra convenient. Or if you want to kick it old school, drop us an email. Debt's No Honest Man Can Pay at gmail.com. If you told me we'd end 2020 with Amanda Shires covering Genesis, I might have looked at you funny, but here we are. The third standalone single from Amanda Shires is a cover of the Genesis song, That's All, the song that originally appeared on the 1983 self-titled Genesis album. Steve Earle also in that set with Champagne Corolla from the album JT, which drops on January 4th. Of course, as a collection of songs originally written and recorded by Steve Earle's son, the late great singer-songwriter Justin Towns Earl, who left us way too early at the age of 38 back in August. Eddie Vedder also in that set from the Matter of Time EP, which dropped on Christmas Day. Uh, it's a six-song EP that features a couple of acoustic reworkings of Pearl Jam tracks, as well as a couple of new Vedder solo tracks, and his rendition of Springsteen's Growing Up, which is what we heard in the middle of that set. Lucero also in there with the title track from the forthcoming album, When You Found Me, which drops on January 29th. We wrap things up with the theme song from a show that I did not expect to love as much as I do, but doggone it, I loves me some Ted Lasso. And if you're looking for something to watch that is fun and life-affirming and makes gives you all the feels, and if you're looking for something to fill that void that was left for you after you've finished watching Schitt's Creek, I cannot recommend Ted Lasso enough. And speaking of Schitt's Creek, it shows like Schitt's Creek and Ted Lasso that are slowly redefining the sitcom as we know it. These are shows that are not always hilarious. They're not always, you know, hit you over the head funny and they don't go for cheap laughs, but they never skimp on the humanity. And I think we all need a little more humanity these days. So we wrap things up with the Ted Lasso theme from Marcus Mumford and Tom Howe. Yes, that Marcus Mumford. I am not a big fan of Mumford and Sons by any stretch of the imagination. But that theme song is an integral part of what makes Ted Lasso work. And as I am a Lasso, I don't know what they call Lasso fans, um, but I'm not going to try and come up with a cute uh, tag for it. But as a fan of Ted Lasso, I felt that we had to go ahead and throw that in there. Hey, everybody, it's Debt's No Honest Man Can Pay. My name is Greenberg. Thank you so much for joining us. We're here weekly on NRM Streamcast, and we are going to jump right back into it. So I said earlier that we are going to go ahead and do a little something that we do from time to time called Greenberg's Big Score, in which I score a lot of music for not a lot of money. So as is my tradition, I go to one of my favorite record stores every year on my birthday, which is December 24th. You may know it as Christmas Eve. So I went ahead and this year I exclusively focused on the used section. And they have this perpetual thing that goes on 
every day of every year where if you buy two used CDs, you get the third one for a buck. So I walked away with 12 CDs for $56.56. And I did the math. That comes out to be like $4.71 per CD. And I know you're going, well, Greenberg, you can stream shit you know, for, for a, a nominal fee and, and not have to buy anything. But where's the fun in that? Because I, I love buying physical product because I can download and I can stream, but streaming is just like, oh, this is a mountain of things that just sits there quietly unless I investigate into it. And if, if there's no stimulus to spark my interest about something, there's going to be that mountain that just sits there dormant. And I have been sent a lot of links by a lot of really awesome promo people are like, Hey, check this album out, check that album out. And I download stuff and I don't get to all of it. There's just no way I can get to all of it. And then there's stuff that I'll, I'll go ahead and download here and there. And a lot of it is stuff that I don't often get to, or just sadly don't get to. But I find that when I go out of my way to buy something, I'm engaging with the universe. I'm engaging with the world. I am going out with the mission of I'm going to buy something, whether it's I need to buy the new album by so-and-so, or I want to go out and just buy a bunch of stuff, stuff that uh, I've been meaning to pick up, stuff that jumps out at me, stuff that I'm curious about, and then I bring it home and I'm engaged with it. And I'm like, oh, I've got all this cool new shit to listen to, which is exactly what I've been doing over the holiday break. So that is why... I do this. So right now we're going to share with you part one of this episode's Greenberg's big score. Since I bought 12, I decided to break it up into two sets of six. So this first six pack of tracks, uh, skews a little more towards the classic rock towards the alt country, if you will. With that in mind, we kick off this next set with the legendary Neil Young.
take what you need you think will last But whatever you wish to keep you better grab it fast He understands your orphan with his gun Crying like a fire in the sun Look out, the saints are coming through And it's all over now, baby blue The highway is for gamblers, better use your sins Take what you have gathered from coincidence The empty-handed painter from your streets Is drawing crazy patterns on your sheets The sky, too, is falling under you And it's all over now, baby blue All your seasick sailors, they're all rowing home Your empty-handed army is all going home Your lover who just walked out the door Has taken all his blankets from the floor The carpet too is moving under you And it's all over now, baby blue Stones behind There's something that calls for you Forget the dead you've left They will not follow you The vagabond who's rapping at your door Is standing in the clothes that you once wore Strike another match, go start anew And it's all over now, baby blue
Yeah. 
Looked in my neighbor's home Walked through the hills alone Trying to find it Maybe it's drawing near Maybe it's always been here It's just so invisibly clear You gotta wanna see it by virtue of the fact that you are currently listening, you need no further assistance finding the Debts No Honest Man Can Pay podcast. However, your friends may need a little assistance. In which case, be a good friend and tell them they can find us pretty much everywhere you find such things. Places like Apple, Google, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Castro, Radio Public, CastBox, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And while you're at it, tell them we archive every episode of the podcast and they're conveniently found at debtsnohonestmancanpay.com where they will also find every playlist of every episode dating back to April 2003 when we were just a mere mortal radio program. Regardless of where you get the podcast, please leave us a rating or a review. We love it. With that, let's get back to the show. In that last set, a six-pack of tracks that will comprise part one of this episode's installment of Greenberg's Big Score. A little uh, recurring segment we have not done in quite some time because it is dependent on a record store trip. So the whole concept behind Greenberg's Big Score is I go out to one of my favorite record stores and I buy a mass quantity of music and don't spend a lot of money in the process. And then I come back here and I brag about it. But since COVID began, uh, I have not been to the record store as much as I would like. But I was going to be damned if I was going to let COVID stand in the way of my annual birthday record store expedition. So with that in mind, I went ahead and picked up not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, not ten, not eleven, but twelve. I bought twelve CDs, and yes, I said CDs. I, I'm a fan of the physical product, whether it be CDs or vinyl. Um, I, I would even throw cassettes in there, although I... I at the moment would need to buy a new cassette deck, but I digress. So in part one of Greenberg's big score in which I purchased 12 CDs for $56 and 56 cents, which comes out to about 400 not 400, which comes out to be like $4 and 71 cents per CD. So not bad. So, uh, and I'll give you a little bit of a background on why I picked each one, because there are several categories. So like I said earlier, uh, this particular record store trip concentrated mainly on the used catalog. So, and at this particular record store that I like to frequent, they have a perpetual deal going on every day of every year, where if you buy two used CDs, you get the third one for a buck. And since I've got the frequent uh, shopper card, that knocks a little extra off of there too. So I came out of there smelling like a rose. Not not like I went and, and smelled myself, but the metaphorical rose, if you will. So at the top of the set, 
we had a couple of blind spotting albums. Uh, albums that I know damn well I probably should have picked up at some point that are in the collections of most self-respecting music geeks. And uh, at the end of the year, this trip is a, a chance to, to catch up on some stuff. So with that in mind, I finally got a hold of Neil Young's Decade, the 1970 1977 rather collection that uh, in its original vinyl release was a three-record set. On the CD, it's a two-CD set, but it chronicles from 1966 to 1976. Neil Solo with Buffalo Springfield, CSNY, and Crazy Horse. And from Neil Young's decade, I went ahead and decided to highlight the track, The Loner. Yes, there are so many great songs on Decade. But why did I go with Loner? Because it was one of those songs I had completely forgotten that I knew. And I'm listening to it, and of course, you know, I'm enjoying all the stuff I know and all the stuff I didn't know. And then The Loner comes on, I'm going, wait a minute, I have a vague memory of hearing this as a kid. Of course, I put two and two together, I'm like, alright, we're going to play that. Uh, we followed up Neil Young with yet another master of singer-songwriter lore, and that uh, being the, the, probably the king of the heap of all singer-songwriters. If you don't count Woody Guthrie. Let's, let's put Woody Guthrie at the very top, and that put Bob Dylan in a close second. Uh, we went back to 1965, the year I was born, and Dylan's bringing it all back home. And it was another case of, you know, I'm flipping through it. I'm like, you know what? This is a good chance for me to, to catch up on some Dylan, to uh, build up the, the catalog that I have at home. Uh, can never have too much Dylan. So from Dylan's bringing it all back home, we heard It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. And then we went to the, uh, you know how sometimes you'll get a CD and it'll have two albums on it and you feel like you hit the lottery. Like I I've got some of these, like I've got big star number one record and radio city. And then I've got Marvin Gaye, uh, what's going on and uh, let's get it on. You know, sometimes they do that. They'll put two seat. They'll put two albums on one CD. And that's the case with Graham Parsons, GP, and Grievous Angel. Of course, GP came out in 73. Grievous Angel came out in 74. And at the time, Graham Parsons had uh, already under his belt a, tenure, a, sh a brief tenure with the Birds and a brief tenure with the Flying Burrito Brothers. And he had also exerted a huge influence on the Rolling Stones, especially on albums like Exile on Mean Street. And many people will tell you that Graham Parsons was one of the early uh, elements that would inform what is now known as alt-country. And, of course, back in the day when, Gra when Graham Parsons was uh, recording records, one of his co-conspirators was the great Emmylou Harris. Before Emmylou Harris went out on her own, and you hear a lot of Graham and Emmy Lou on these two records, and it's wonderful stuff from uh, Graham Parsons. We went to the GP side of things for She. And a fun fact, and another reason why I love buying physical product, is taking a look at the liner notes. And I'm looking at the liner notes, and there's a song called Cry One More Time. And it's credited to Peter Wolf and Seth, and, uh, Seth Justman. 
I'm going, I'm having that wait, what moment? I'm like, wait, Graham Parsons covering Jake Isles? And I did a little research and it's true. It's a cover of a song from the very first Giles record going back to 1971. Who knew? And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't bought the record. If I had just gone ahead and streamed it or downloaded it, I wouldn't have known. I would have had to like get go out of my way to do the, the research. But I'm sitting here last night and I'm listening to it and I'm looking at the liner notes and Yet another reason why I'm glad that I still enjoy the physical product. So also in there, uh, another reason why I like to go ahead and stock up on the used CDs is I'll find a greatest hits or best of compilation by an artist who I really enjoy. And maybe I've got some of their other stuff in my collection and maybe I don't. And if I don't, it's a great way to kind of have a one-stop shop uh, source of stuff but in the case of Chris Isaac, I think I've got like maybe about four or five of his CDs already. But, you know, I take a look at the best of and I'm like, there's still plenty on here that I don't have in my collection. And it's one of these uh, compilations that came with a DVD, what they called the CD DVD combo, where you would have the greatest hits collection on the CD and then you would have the videos on the DVD. So, you know, that would be the second reason I bought it. The third reason I bought it, um, back in the 90s, I think probably maybe one of the last times I joined Columbia House, I went ahead and got Chris Isaac's San Francisco Days on uh, CD, or no, on cassette. And it was a, an album I quite enjoyed, and I forgot how much I enjoyed that record until I... Uh, started listening to the best of Chris Isaac, one of the other uh, CDs I'd picked up. And one of the tracks I really enjoyed off of San Francisco Days was Can't Do a Thing to Stop Me, which is one of the tracks that we heard in that last set. So, in addition to Neil Young and Bob Dylan and Graham Parsons and Chris Isaac, we went back to the early days of Lucero. Yes, Lucero, who will be dropping a brand new record at the end of this month, but uh, way back in 2001, they dropped their first record. And before that, they had recorded a bunch of stuff in uh, one of the uh, one of the band members' attics and had released it on cassette and immediately sold out. And then in 2006, it was reissued. Uh, it's called The Attic Tapes from Lucero's The Attic Tapes. We heard Kiss the Bottle, which sounds like a, like a, a spin on Spin the Bottle, no pun intended, because everybody knows Spin the Bottle results in kissing, so why not just cut out the middleman and call it Kiss the Bottle? Or maybe I am just full of shit. Uh, wrapping things up with singer-songwriter Rustin Kelly. Rustin Kelly is a singer-songwriter who popped up on my radar a couple of years ago. I was listening to Stephen Hyden's uh, Celebration Rock podcast, and he was going over some of his favorite albums of the year. I believe it was 2017. And he mentioned a lot of artists that I wasn't familiar with, which was one of the benefits of listening to this podcast, is that he talked about a lot of bands and artists I knew, and some I didn't. And one of them was Rustin Kelly. And I'm like, oh, 
alt-country singer-songwriter, how do I not know him? And at the time, he was married to Casey Musgraves, who I'm a fan of. And by the way, I got to catch up with the Casey Musgraves Christmas show on Netflix over the holidays. Um, fun thing to watch over the holidays. You know, keep that in mind for next year. But I digress. So Rustin Kelly, uh, you know, a name that I had put in the uh, back of the mind. And as I was looking through the CDs to figure out what I was going to buy, this one popped up and like, oh, this is the album he put out in 2020. And I'd heard mixed things about it, but I wanted to hear for myself. So into the shopping cart it went. So from Rustin Kelly's Shape and Destroy, we heard a song. And again, another reason why I like liner notes. And in all fairness, I learned this tidbit from Apple Music because Apple Music, for a lot of the records, will have little liner notes. So God bless them. So as I was looking at the liner notes and listening to it and trying to figure out which song I wanted to play, I decided to go to, uh, to Apple music and to iTunes to see which of these songs were the most popular. And then I went ahead and after listening to it, figured out, okay, I like track seven. I like track nine. I like track 11. And then on Apple music, there were a little, uh, blurbs about each song. And I read the one about Jubilee, which is the song we wrapped up that set with. And Jubilee was a song that Rustin Kelly had written at the house of Mother Maybell Carter, because Rustin is friends with John Carter Cash. And John Carter Cash would uh, every now and then re reach out and go, hey, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, you know, hey, if you ever want to get away, you can go to Mother Maybell's cabin and, uh, you know, get some work done. And he went and he was inspired and he wrote some songs and one of them was Jubilee. So with that in mind, Hey everybody, it's debts. No honest man can pay. My name is Greenberg. Thank you so much for joining us. We're here weekly on NRM streamcast moving right along. Like I said earlier, one of the albums I didn't pick up on my shopping trip, but I could have because it was the first thing encountered. But I went ahead and corrected that mistake, ordered it from Amazon. It showed up the next day. And as I said earlier, it comes from a series of live streams where Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day decided he was going to do some covers and put the videos up online. And it became a series known as No Fun Mondays. And I believe it was, oh, how many tracks? I don't even care how many tracks it, it's a great record. It's, it's a, it's a long record in the sense of there's a lot of songs, but these are short songs and they're punchy songs. These are punk songs that are power pop songs. There's a lot of gems in here, stuff that you would expect and stuff that you wouldn't expect. And it's just fun. And the record is called no fun Mondays. But like I said earlier, it's fun. No matter what day of the week you spin it. So with that in mind, we're going to pop open a six pack of tracks from Billy Joe Armstrong's No Fun Mondays and kicking things off with his spin on a song written by Prince made famous by the Bangles. <laughs> Just 
got three ways to connect with us on social media. Number one, like Debt's No Honest Man Can Pay on Facebook. Number two, follow us on Twitter at Exile on E Street. And number three, like us on Instagram at Exile on E Street. Same as Twitter, making it extra convenient. Or if you want to kick it old school, drop us an email. Debt's No Honest Man Can Pay at gmail.com. In that last set, a six-pack of tracks from Billy Joe Armstrong's No Fun Mondays, a collection of 14 covers that started originally as a series of live streams spanning from April to November, and he went ahead and compiled all of these to be released as an album in late November. Of course, Billy Joe Armstrong, frontman of Green Day from No Fun Mondays. We heard Manic Monday, a song written by Prince that was best known as a huge hit in the mid-80s from the Bangles. And Susanna Hoffs of the Bangles, Adds some guitar on that version. Kids in America, a top 40 hit in the 80s from Kim Wilde. That's rock and roll. Originally, this is a deep pull. I remember when I was looking at the uh, track listing and listening to it, and I saw the the title, That's Rock and Roll, and I, I said to myself, could that be the same that's rock and roll that I think it is? And that same rock and that same that's rock and roll that I think it was is a song that was a huge hit in the late seventies for a fellow by the name of Sean Cassidy. Does that name ring a bell? Sean Cassidy was a teen heartthrob before there were boy bands. There were teen heartthrobs and Sean Cassidy came from a a family of teen heartthrobs. His older brother, David Cassidy, was a a teen heartthrob in his own right uh, for his work with the Partridge family. And uh, his his stepmom was Shirley Jones, who was also David Cassidy's stepmom and co-star in the Partridge family. So Sean Cassidy, the the younger of the Cassidys, uh, he... uh, Scored a couple of hits in the late 70s, you know, what they would call bubblegum. And one of them was this song called That's Rock and Roll, which was written by a fellow by the name of Eric Carmen. Does that name ring a bell? Eric Carmen was in a power pop band in the early 70s called The Raspberries. I love power pop. I've never been a fan of The Raspberries. They They had a couple of hits and... None of them really did anything for me. And then uh, after the Raspberries broke up, Eric Carmen kind of went straight for the middle of the road and scored a lot of really horrendous middle-of-the-road songs. But Eric Carmen wrote this song, That's Rock and Roll, that Sean Cassidy had a pretty big hit with. And Billy Joe Armstrong really seriously does it justice Kudos to Billy Joe for that deep pull and taking a song that was at its worst, a a chunk of bubble gum and just really kind of turning it into this awesome power pop gem that it was always supposed to be also in there. Billy Joe's rendition of reckless Eric's 
whole wide world. Reckless Eric, of course, was part of the Stiff Records roster. And back in the late 70s, early 80s, Stiff Records out of England was the home to artists such as Nick Lowe, Elvis Costello, Ian Gom, uh, Reckless Eric, uh, Ian Dury and the Blockheads. And uh, th- there was a- there, if you go onto Amazon, there's actually a concert film, a concert document, a docu- yeah, I can't speak, a concert documentary uh, about a package tour of the stiff artists and the uh, the uh, what am i saying the uh the documentary as well as the soundtrack for the documentary was called if it ain't stiff it ain't worth a fuck <laughs> and you know if you're a fan of of the whole late 70s early 80s power pop new wave uh british movement it, it's well worth spending an hour of your time watching So we heard Billy Joe Armstrong's interpretation of Reckless Eric's whole wide world. And then after that, a song that at first I thought was a Clash song, which who could blame me? The very first time I heard it was the Clash's version of Police on My Back on Sandinista. And for many years, I thought it was a Clash song. It was actually originally recorded by a band called the equals the equals who also had hits with songs like baby come back and featured as their front man a young eddie grant as in electric avenue eddie grant and at the bottom of the set billy joe armstrong covering a song written by the late great kirsty mccall you may recall Kirsty as Shane McGowan's duet partner on the Pogues' Fairy Tale of New York. Also a talented singer-songwriter in her own right, and her version of New England is awesome. But the very first version I ever heard was by Billy Bragg. And here we have Billy Joe Armstrong's interpretation of it. So... There you have it. There you go. A six pack of tracks from Billy Joe Armstrong's No Fun Mondays. Not only does he crush all of these selections, but he has tremendous taste. I'm like, as far as the performances go, they're pretty stellar across the board, but just the curation of it. I I applaud him. And I say, Billy Joe Armstrong, if you plan on doing more volumes of this, I, I will shell out my hard earned money. And if you decide to do a tour behind this, I will be there. So there you have it. There you go. A six pack of tracks from Billy Joe Armstrong's covers collection. No fun Mondays. Hey, everybody. It's debts. No honest man can pay. My name is Greenberg. Thank you so much for joining us. We are here weekly on NRM Streamcast, and we move forward now to the final full set of the show. Uh, part two of Greenberg's big score in part one, we went ahead and, uh, highlighted six of the 12 CDs I purchased for myself on my birthday, uh, 12 in total for which I paid $56.56, averaging out to be $4.71 per CD. 
I, I was just swimming in music. And as I said earlier, a lot of these were, uh, you know, blind spots, you know, uh, albums that I had been long overdue and picking up and, you know, just kind of, uh, filling out some, uh, just rounding out some collections and, and what have you. And we kick off this next set, the final six with, uh, another category of I've owned this on vinyl for many a year and thought, you know, I think it warrants me, uh, getting it in the digital form. And it's an album that is a classic, uh, one of my all time favorites. And, it is the record that cemented my fandom of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I had known of them beforehand. I'd liked what I had heard, but damn the torpedoes is what made me a fan for life. It was back in the days, the heyday of album oriented rock radio. And back in the day when DJs would spin several tracks off of an album Instead of, you know, I'm going to play this track into the ground and I'm going to move on to another track and play that into the ground. Instead, an album would come out, uh, the music director would deem which songs were going into rotation, and then they would rotate them, hence the term rotation. And there were four out of the gate. And it was one of those early albums that I could remember going, I need to go to the record store because I know right out of the gate, there's four songs off of this album that I love and clocking in at nine tracks. That's almost half the damn album. And the whole album is great. And like I said, I've owned it on vinyl ever since it came out in 1979. And I felt it would, was appropriate to, uh, pick it up in the digital form and, and, you know, bring me that much closer to completing my collection which is yet another goal of me picking up all these used CDs and what have you. So, and this is probably my favorite of those four songs that introduced me to that album. Just, you want to talk about rock and roll anthems. It doesn't get any more anthemic than even the losers. I'm like, when you're just feeling at the bottom of, of the barrel, uh, there's nothing like even the losers to make you feel like you have a shot at redemption because as Petty says, even the losers get lucky sometimes. So this is also an album where before a few of the songs, you'll hear like these weird interludes, you know, the sound of tape machines, uh, rewinding and fast forwarding and like little snippets of music. And at the beginning of this song, you hear a woman's voice and she says, it's just the normal noises in here. And I was curious about that. So I did a little Googling today and there are two theories as to what that's all about. Theory number one is that Mike Campbell, longtime guitarist of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers was uh, recording some stuff at home. And that is the voice of Mike Campbell's wife saying that. And there's another a whole other theory uh, posited by Rick Springfield, who has absolutely nothing to do with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. But uh, Rick Springfield said that the woman in question at the beginning of Even the Losers was the woman who would eventually be Mrs. Rick Springfield, who was working at Sound City, the studio where Damn the Torpedoes was recorded. And uh, Dave Grohl, 
made a documentary about Sound City a few years back, which is worth your time. Regardless, doesn't matter who said it. All that matters is that it was said. And with that, we kick this set off with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers from Damn the Torpedoes and Even the Losers.
virtue of the fact that you are currently listening, you need no further assistance finding the Debts No Honest Man Can Pay podcast. However, your friends may need a little assistance. In which case, be a good friend and tell them they can find us pretty much everywhere you find such things. Places like Apple, Google, Overcast, Pocket Casts, 
Breaker, Castro, Radio Public, CastBox, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And while you're at it, tell them we archive every episode of the podcast and they're conveniently found at debtsnohonestmancanpay.com where they will also find every playlist of every episode dating back to April 2003 when we were just a mere mortal radio program. Regardless of where you get the podcast, please leave us a rating or a review. We love it. With that, let's get back to the show. In that last set, a six-pack of tracks that comprises part two of today's installment of Greenberg's Big Score, in which I go to the record store, buy a shit ton of music, and spend not a ton of money, and brag about it. So I went ahead and, on my birthday, as is my tradition, I went ahead and bought 12 CDs, grand total, $56.56, averaging out to about $4.71 per CD. So to kind of get you caught up in that first set, uh, we listened to tracks from Neil Young's Decade, Dylan's Bringing It All Back Home, Graham Parsons' GP slash Grievous Angel, The Best of Chris Isaac, uh, Lucero's Attic Tapes, and Rustin Kelly's Shape and Destroy, which brings us to part two. Part two, featuring selections from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, the third album, the one that seriously put them on the map, Damn the Torpedoes and Even the Losers. And then we went from Tom Petty's Damn the Torpedoes to my least favorite R.E.M. record. And I love R.E.M. And for me, the R.E.M. sweet spot was from 1982 to about 1987. That would start with Chronic Town and end with Life's Rich Pageant. Uh, From there, the span from uh, Document through Automatic for the People, still very good. But from Monster till the end of their career, it was kind of hit and miss. And yes, there were moments on Monster I liked. And if it's my least favorite R.E.M. record, why'd I buy it? I'll tell you why. Because for a $1.99, it brings me that much closer to completing my R.E.M. collection. So from R.E.M.'s Monster, we heard Bang and Blame. And another selection that I picked out to help complete my collection, Luna. Love Luna. Luna, one of those bands that really seriously took a lot of lessons from bands like Television, from the Velvet Underground, and just kind of did everything they did with their own unique spin on it. And was very lucky to be able to see Luna a few years back at the Cat's Cradle on a Sunday night, not unlike tonight, which is a Sunday night. Uh, and it was, uh, Luna with very special guest, Eleanor Friedberger. And if you ever get a chance to go see a show at the cat's cradle after the pandemic, I would highly recommend it. And from Luna's 2004 album rendezvous, we heard astronaut 
rounding out another collection, uh, a singer-songwriter who over the years I've come to enjoy quite a bit. In 2016, his album Visions of Us on the Land was my favorite record of that year. Damien Gerardo, who most of the time we're expecting to be in quiet, contemplative singer-songwriter mode, with the exception of albums like uh, Visions of Us on the Land, which were kind of psychedelic. But in the case of the album Where Shall You Take Me, an album that uh, I would say came out around 2003, fairly early in his career, it's still very quiet, contemplative, but we took the outlier from that album, a song called Texas to Ohio that probably rocks about as hard as anything that you're going to get from Damien Gerardo. Also in there, not unlike the Petty record, another one that I picked up because I've owned it on vinyl for many years and felt that it was more than appropriate to pick it up in the digital version. This being Australia's greatest garage band, or I would say one of the greatest garage bands. Cause I know that as soon as I say that five minutes later, I'll be like, Oh, but there's this other one I forgot. But I would say Hoodoo gurus are probably one of the best garage bands out of Australia that there ever was. And their mid eighties album, Mars needs guitars is an underrated classic. And earlier this year, we played for you a, uh, really awesome interpretation of death defying by the decemberists we heard the original version of that right there hoodoo gurus from mars needs guitars remaining down under australian singer songwriter and guitarist courtney barnett an album that came out a few years ago that i kind of slept on uh you know i really dug her first full-length album and what I heard from the uh, EPs that preceded that. And then she did an album with Kurt Vile that was all right. But, you know, for whatever reason, I, I just kind of was not in a big rush to go get the follow-up to the first Courtney Barnett record. And when I was doing my birthday shopping, I came across this and I thought, you know what? I need to give this a shot. And it's a damn delightful album it came out a couple years ago and it's called tell me how you really feel and one of the absolute standout tracks is the one that closes the album and the one that closed that set sunday roast from courtney barnett and that wraps up part two of greenberg's big score hey everybody it's debts no honest man can pay my name is greenberg thank you so much for joining us we are here weekly on NRM Streamcast, and we are going to wrap things up. And I usually say we're going to wrap things up much in the same way that we kick things off, but it's only tangentially so today. So uh, we kicked off today's show with the live version of Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band's Turn the Page in memory of the late Alta Reed, the saxophonist, who played on that song as well as played with Seeger for 42 years. And as a way of just symbolizing that we are turning the page from 2020 to 21. And we conclude today's show with another song that addresses the 
passing of one year to another, of more specifically passing from the most challenging year that any of us have ever experienced to entering a new year cautiously optimistic. That is the best way that I can regard 2021 is I am cautiously optimistic. And with that, there was no other song that we could close out today's show with. And then with the song that goes back 20 years, the album came out in early October, 2000, and it was the follow-up to an album that was a severe left turn for Radiohead. And this was yet another severe left turn and just really seriously cemented the idea that Radiohead was always going to do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. And everybody else in the universe was okie dokie with that. Kid A is without a doubt my favorite Radiohead album. And this is one of the absolute standout tracks. And there's no other choice when talking in terms of being cautiously optimistic. There's no other choice but to close out today's show with Radiohead's Optimistic. This one's optimistic. I hope you are too. And with that, everybody have a great week. Have a brave new year. Take care. Be safe. And remember, the dogs on Main Street howl because they understand. <laughs>